Heavenly Father, we come before you in this morning hour with many things in our hearts, and many times we struggle with the emotions that we feel, with the, the sense of discouragement or loss, and we pray that you would come and be with us in this day. We pray that you would uplift us. We pray that you would help us to look to you for our joy, for our encouragement, for our reason to live. And we pray that you would bless us and strengthen us through the power of your word and through the power of your spirit, enunciating it and making it clear for us and through the power of your spirit to walk in a newness of life with you and that we can bring honor and glory to your name and to the name of your son, Jesus. All these things we thank thee for and pray in Jesus' name. We pray especially for those that are burdened at this time. We pray for uh, Hannah, Jim, for Laura, for Olivia and Claire and the loss of Ron. And we pray for those who are in sickness, for Helene, for Peter and Lily. We pray for our brethren in the Ukraine who are also under uh, great stress at this time, and uh, we pray that you would be with each one and that you would provide for their needs at this time. All these things we thank thee for and pray in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, this morning, uh, Evelyn asked me, so... uh, what are you preaching on today? I could really use something uplifting. And I said, well, the Bible class lesson. I started the Bible class lesson about fear, you know, and uh, then I went into paranoia and persecution, and now I'm on suffering. So I'm expecting this to be really uplifting, right? <laughs> um, but um, I do have, uh, I have found a close connection between some of those things, and I hope hope uh, the Bible class lesson touched on many of these topics this morning, and I hope this is not just a, a repeat, um, but we will trust the, uh, the Spirit to provide. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but manifestation, but manifest, by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. 
We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body of the dying, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and external weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So uh, I was in a uh, meeting this week uh, with some other believers, and uh, the, uh, the topic turned to persecution. And uh, uh, perhaps I was being a little flip, but, uh, you know, in, in retrospect, you know, but someone started complaining about how they felt that uh, they were being persecuted, right? Or that someone they knew was being persecuted, and my, my flip response was kind of, well, you know, persecution is, is you know, is good for us. Persecution is good for us as, 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 as Christians. And so, you know, so afterwards I got to thinking, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm being, uh, maybe I'm being too flip, um, to use the euphemism. But um, I started thinking about um, persecution. And uh, then this week also I, I, Listen to uh, uh, was listening to uh, Focus on the Family uh, podcast, a rebroadcast of uh, interview with someone, and I couldn't tell it by the title, but it ended up being about persecution. And the the author uh, the author's name was uh, the same as my first his first name was the same as my first name, and so all through this interview, every time the every time uh, um, Jim Daly would say the author's name, it was like, it was like driving, driving this home to me, right? It's like, I felt like, you know, he was person, he was asking me these questions, these questions very personally, right? And um, so uh, I began studying about persecution. And the thing I always, I always fear about uh, persecution, you know, as, as a believer that's lived in the U.S. for his entire life here, it's like, was I ever persecuted for being a Christian, right? You know, we, we go to 2 Timothy 3.12 and it says, 
Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And it's like I struggle with that verse because as, as a believer, I don't really feel that I've ever, I've ever suffered, suffered persecution. And uh, perhaps some of that, you know, um, I, um, I have this tendency, I would say, to, uh, number one, to try to not, not believe that I'm being persecuted, right? If uh, I go back to our, our personality test that we, we did, I believe one of the, uh, one of the uh, responses that we got back was, what does your personality type do when uh, faced with a threat or... Uh, uh, I can't remember exactly how it's phrased, or when you're fearful, or when you're faced with a threat. And uh, I read mine, I said, wow, that pretty well describes it, right? I put my head down and I work harder, right? And uh, so I don't know if that's, uh, um, you know. So uh, when, I, when faced with something that I might anticipate to be uh, persecution, that's kind of my, my natural response is that, you know, I'm going to put my head down, I'm going to try to stay below the, you know, stay below the surface here, and I focus on my work, focus on doing, doing what I need to do, which I think in, in many ways is a, is a good response, but that might not always be what the Lord expects of us. And uh, so, I mean, one of, my, one of my concerns always, and we talked about this a little in Bible class too today, is uh, what I like to talk, what I'm going to call paranoia, Right? Uh, the definition that I got on paranoia uh, from the, the internet here probably came from Wikipedia under the, under the sides, but uh, it's a, an unrealistic distrust, distrust, distrust of others or a feeling of being persecuted. And, you know, I've, I've had uh, have a, difficult, uh, a difficult time uh, sometimes uh, distinguishing here between uh, persecution and paranoia, and uh, an extreme, uh, extreme uh, degrees of this type of thinking are thought to be a sign of mental illness, right? And um, as Christians, if the first time we feel like we're we're facing a threat, and we our first response is to that that I'm being persecuted, I I think that's I, I think that's the wrong response, you know, just like, um, you know, it's like if, um, if um, I'm, I'm in a, a position of authority and I have to, to discipline someone and uh, the first thing they say is, you know, you're, it's because you're prejudiced against me, Right. So if we're always thinking about, well, every slight that I have, everything that happens is happening to me because I'm a Christian, I think that's the, that's the wrong, wrong perspective and that we really need to be, to be uh, careful of that, that that's not the way that we're coming off. Um, you know, uh, Brother Dave and I were talking this morning about the, uh, in the minister's meeting, we were talking a little bit about the... Uh, the Cold War, which of course is is suddenly back upon us, but uh, being raised in the in the 60s again, um, and I don't know why I go back and keep talking about my childhood all the time, but uh, 
it seems to be uh, more and more I seem to be reliving it here. In, in the 60s, of course, was the Cold War, the threat of nuclear war, and so in school they used to teach us, you know, that when the alarm rang off, ran, went off, you know, that we were all supposed to hide under our desks, and that was supposed to save us from the nuclear bombs, right? I mean, it seems kind of funny in retrospect, or not funny. It, it seems ironic in retrospect, you know, and it was... Uh, only, probably only slightly more effective than the, uh, the TSA at the airport in response to 9-11, to but um, I should say slightly less, less effective is what I meant to say. But, um, you know, but these national, or, you know, the, these, these existential, uh, exist, uh, these existential crises that, you know, we face in our environment, in the world, in our lives, um, you know, they start to weigh on our mind, and we start to we start to uh, we start to think in these certain patterns. And then, if we talk with our friend and they share the same fears, they send, share the same uh, concerns about the threats, and we propagate a certain attitude towards these these uh, events. You know, so the other. The other thing, you know, the Cold War, how that affected me as a child, as a Christian, is that, and I don't know, I, I, I don't know how I formed this, these thoughts or where these came from, but I always had these, I don't know if they're dreams or visions, uh, sometimes they're dreams, I think, as a child that, you know, the communists came in and they lined up our family and they asked each of us if we were a Christian, and if we said we were a Christian, they shot us. So, uh, so you could see as, as a child, I was uh, maybe very paranoid. Oh. But, uh, you know, I, I believe that, uh, of course, you know, these... Uh, the threat of nuclear war is real. The threat that, you know, as Christians, that we could be uh, persecuted, that we could be killed for our faith is, is of course, potent potentially very real. And yet, on the other hand, we are called, we are called to, um, we are called to be the light of this world. We are called to not to be overcome by our fears, not to be overcome by our, our paranoias here, uh, our paranoia. You know, here in, uh, you know, this, these are some, some of my favorite verses here in uh, 2 Corinthians 4 about how the, uh, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, okay? More modern translations sometimes say clay pots, um, other writers, uh, other writers have, uh, contemporary writers have went to say, go so far as to say, well, they're really cracked pots, right? Um, and we, our, our physical bodies are really so, so temporal, are really so easily, easily destroyed, easily broken down. We are easily overcome with these fears, with these, these uh, challenges that we face face day by day, and we sometimes enjoy uh, being able to vent about our concerns 
and in some ways that is helpful for us. In other ways, these only reinforce our, our thinking, reinforce the, the opposite of the types of things that we should be thinking about, right? And, you know, so the focus that we need to have in, um, in times of, of persecution in times of challenge. If we look at the believers in the early church, um, you know, I, I think we really, really get kind of a, in some ways we would say from an earthly standpoint, from a temporal standpoint, we get a very, uh, we get a very strange picture here, right? Well, actually, if we go all the way back here to, uh, to the end of uh, Jesus' sermon, uh, not Sermon on the Mount, but the Beatitudes. And uh, the way Jesus ends the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Number one, we're blessed if we're persecuted for Jesus' sake. And number two, what's the response that we're supposed to have if we're persecuted? Verse 12, Matthew 5, from Matthew 5. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Again, this points back to the scriptures that we read here in chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 about our light affliction is but for for a, a moment, and we're, worketh for us a far more exceeding and external, eternal weight of glory, because we look not at the things which are seen, not at the temporal things, but at the things, the things that are eternal. Um, if we go and we look at what, was the, what were the early apostles' response to, to persecution, uh, if we go to Acts 5, after the apostles were, were uh, called before the, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, or before the council of the Jews the second time, and uh, it says, And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing, that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. If we go on in Acts, Stephen, the stoning of Stephen. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So, rejoicing, forgiveness, forgiveness of persecutors. You know, Many times here in North America, when I hear about believers saying they're persecuted, I'm I'm not seeing I'm not seeing I'm not seeing this. I'm seeing anger. 
I'm hearing anger. I may be misinterpreting this, but sometimes I hear, a lot of times I hear anger about the feeling of being, of being persecuted. So again, first of all, I think that we have to ask ourselves, are we really being persecuted or is Satan using paranoia to attack my mind and to make me, make me feel persecuted when perhaps things that are happening have nothing to do with my belief in Christ? I think that's an important question to ask ourselves. And if we are being persecuted, then we have to return to the, the biblical response, which it seems to me here is rejoicing, which of course mirrors what uh, we know Jesus' attitude was here in uh, in uh, Hebrews 12. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Again, the author of Hebrews was cautioning the believers here that you know, they had to think about what Jesus suffered and the persecution that Jesus felt and you know, consider whether you know, they were really, even, they were really um, suffering that level of persecution. And if they were, then uh, they need to look to his example of looking forward to the joy, again, the, the eternal joy, and not the, the temporal suffering that they were going through. And if we go again to Acts, if we look at the example of the Apostle Paul, beaten here for his faith in Acts 16, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So not only did they rejoice, not only did they pray and sing praises, um, but other people heard them. Other people recognized this. This was something strange, right? So as believers, you know, our favorite, uh, our, one of our uh, favorite verses that... Uh, uh, as teenagers, some of my um, compatriots like to make fun of in the King James Version, you know, that we are to be peculiar people. We are to be chosen people. Um, but uh, we are to be peculiar in the sense that our response to persecution, our response is, is to be different than those that do not have this faith. And uh, also, we see the response to the persecution of, of, uh, of Stephen. We see uh, at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Therefore, that they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the, preaching the word. So again, the persecution caused the word to be preached, the word to be shared. The persecution caused 
others to hear the word, others to recognize that there was a different way to live than that, that, that they were living. And uh, finally, if we look at the uh, Apostle Paul here, who of course was the, uh, or Saul at that time, who of course was the uh, reason, one of the reasons that this leaders of this great persecution of the church of that time. And he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and healing men and women and committing them, committed them to prison. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. It's hard for you to kick against your conscience. It's hard for you to kick against the, uh, this is a cattle go. This is a kind of cattle prod that they used to use, you know, out on the farm in the old days where if you wanted the cattle to, mo to move, you'd take a sharp stick or a sharp instrument and you would poke them in uh, tender spots, let's say, right? That's what the pricks, that's where that word comes from when it says it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And look at this. It's not the Christians that are being persecuted. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one that's being persecuted. It's not me. I'm not being persecuted. It's Jesus that's being persecuted. I forget that a lot, right? You know, it's all about me. It's about my, my need to vent, my discouragement, right? Uh, had a meeting with my thesis I had a meeting with my my, uh, my thesis advisor every Friday at 3 o'clock. And by Friday at 3 o'clock, I tend to uh, use this more for a psychotherapy session than for a, uh, than for a, uh, uh, than just talking about my thesis. But anyway, you know, um, so this week was a relatively uh, pretty hard week in my, my uh, existence here on Earth. And uh, I, uh, my, my advisor says after we got done and I talked about uh, 40 minutes about my, uh, my uh, challenges in life this week and uh, we talked about five minutes about my thesis. He said, well, you know, sometimes, you know, it's important for us to be able to vent. And I thought, great, is that how I came off? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's the way I came off. But, um, you know, it's important for us to get back to Scripture and to think about here here um, again, you know, yes, I have this, only I have this, I'm part of, I'm this, this cracked pot with all, all the, uh, the weariness of this life, with the, the uh, struggles that I'm going through, and yet I have to go back here and I have to look at, um, I have to, to look at uh, what's supposed to be in this, this cracked pot and what's the response of this cracked pot supposed to be. The excellency, the power, is of God and not of us. We may be troubled on every side. We may be in distress. We may be perplexed. But we're not in despair. We may be persecuted, 
but we are not forsaken. When we are persecuted, Jesus is there. God is still there. Like we talked about in the Bible class this morning, you know, it may look like Jesus is walking by, but he's right there. He's there. He's available for us to call out to. We may be cast down, but we are not destroyed. And ultimately, we're called to bear about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus in order for the life of Jesus to be made manifest in our body. As believers, you know, you know, we forget that Jesus, his whole purpose on this earth was to come and to suffer, to come and to give up his life, you know, that we could be counted worthy to experience the joys of living this life in him and the eternal joys of living in eternity with him, right? And... Many times, many times I, I forget that. Many times I want to look to more of a uh, health and wealth gospel. I want to think about all the promises, you know, that God made about how he's going to bless us. And I want to take those as that, hey, I'm born in the USA and I've got, you know, God... God promised that each generation is going to have more wealth and more material goods than the last, and I've adopt, I start to adopt the, uh, the U.S. or the North American Christian perspective that, hey, uh, you know, God's blessing us and he's going to provide for us materially. And if we, we, look, at, uh, if we look at Jesus' life, we look at Jesus' calling, we see that that's not, that's not, was not Jesus' calling, and I don't think that it's our, our calling today. You know, um, again, the apostle goes on to write, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. And having the same spirit of faith according as is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. When we live in Jesus, we get faith to speak. I said, you know, my natural proclivity when I'm faced with difficulties, with stress, is to withdraw and to uh, focus on what I can control, what I can change. But when we're really living in Jesus, we are prompted to speak the right words. We're not prompted to we're not prompted to share our paranoia. We're not prompted to share our fears. Not that we sh- we should be able to do those, especially with other believers. But we need to remember that the sharing that we're supposed to do here is to share about the life of Jesus. We're to share his joy, share what he's done in our lives, share how he's giving us strength in spite of the difficulties that we face, in spite of the, the challenges that we're facing, that we need to speak life to others. And we need to believe, we need to go back to, you know, I believe. Why did I believe? We believe because we've read the word, hearing, 
you know, we've heard the word, we know the word, we're in a relationship with Jesus where we are communicating with him that we have the spirit of Jesus on us, that we can live above these temporary, these temporary challenges, these temporary struggles that we're facing now. This doesn't mean that we'll always, we always put on a happy, we're always happy, we're always great, but we have this source of joy, we have this strength that we can tap into even during difficult times, even during difficult challenges. And finally, um, you know, one of the, at the, uh, after the uh, Paul was, uh, after, uh, you know, we, we talk about fear here when, uh, back in Acts 9, when Ananias here was, uh, we talk about fear and paranoia, um, There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the, thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Uh, now this really wasn't paranoia, right? This is all true. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, notice he said brother already. He's already, he's already, no, the Lord's already told him that Saul is going to be his brother. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on his, this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Paul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwell at Jerusalem, proving that this is the very Christ. And finally, Acts 9.31 then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So if we as believers, if we're walking in the Spirit, if we're, um, if we're letting God take these cracked, this cracked pot that I have, and we're letting him work through us, if we're living 
the life of Jesus, he gives us the power to overcome fear. He gives us the power to overcome paranoia. He gives us the, the power to, through his spirit, to do things that would seem impossible. I'm glad I wasn't Ananias called to do this. And I often wondered, well, what hap- would have happened if Ananias would have stayed there in fear and had not uh, went to Paul? I imagine somehow the Lord would have found another, another way. But, you know, we as, as believers, um, in spite of the outward, the outward challenges that we face, we need to keep looking to Jesus. We need to establish our relationship with Jesus We need to be able to be strong when persecution does come. We need to be strong uh, if there's not persecution, and perhaps for us that is even more challenging at times. And we don't know what, how persecution is going to come or how it may impact us, and perhaps it's difficult for us to imagine this, um, but we have this, we have the, uh, the power of God in our earthen vessels, and we have the joy of Christ if we can look to him for strength and power and joy in spite of persecution, in spite of the difficulties that we face in this life and the promise of eternal life in heaven and eternal joy with him. May the Lord bless the word.